I'm watching opera as much as I want because depending on the generosity of that different houses, people are streaming stuff. But I have to say, sitting in bed with my iPad and my noise cancelling headphones, I have a pretty good experience. Hello and welcome to the Inside Corporate Finance and Risk podcast. This is a series exploring the latest trends and topics in the corporate world. I'm Matt Locke, and today we will not only be discussing the COVID-19 crisis, but more widely considering the consequences of this uh, this pandemic across corporates. I'm here today with Haig Simonian, a well-known business journalist and economist, having previously worked for the Financial Times. Haig is an upcoming moderator of the new CNN Money Switzerland series. Haig, thank you for taking the time. Let's kick things off with you. Um, This pandemic has been described with many words, but the one that keeps coming up time and time again is the word unprecedented. Many corporates can be forgiven for not having anticipated a crisis of this scale and nature. But looking forward, how do you think their behaviours will change? Obvious examples will be insurers now having to provide potential coverage for pandemics going forward. Well, thanks for inviting me, first of all. Um, And goodness, what a question to start. Uh, It covers such a broad range that it's hard to know where to focus. You mentioned insurers, by all means. Um, We obviously are looking at the financials, first quarter results are coming out just as we speak, and clearly we've seen huge rises in bank provisions. Now banks, we know since the financial crisis, have been waging an on-off battle with regulators in terms of how much money they can redistribute to shareholders via dividends or via buybacks. Uh, obviously once they restored themselves to financial health. Um, That's going to, I'm sure, be an ongoing theme because uh, banks, once they've got over this hump, are going to try and restore some sort of normality. Regulators, I'm sure, are going to want to have banks lending as much as possible to business to try and uh, get economies back on their feet and then uh, restabilizing. So I can see some longer term issues there. Of course, supply chains. Now, supply chains, uh, I used to cover years and years ago, financial times, the auto industry, when globalization was just starting to become a big word and people were terribly proud to show you their new factories in China especially but also in Mexico and wherever else and I remember one guy from um, one of the big companies who was uh, relatively lowly but an important piece of the organizational wheel and he said when I asked him about all this fantastic gearboxes from here and clutches from there and you name it he said global supply chains global headaches (laughs) because uh, maybe things have got better in the many, many years of the past because, you know, the wrong piece would come when you opened the box from Peru and it wasn't the ABC123, but it was the XYZ456 and you were stuck. Now, clearly that's got better, but we've had a glitch in the system, predominantly of China, which has become so much the workshop of of the world, the new Manchester, um, and people I'm sure are going to be reviewing their supply chains as well. That's not to say suddenly everyone is going to onshore again, you know, there's not going to be a revolution, but there is going to be uh, a look at logistics, a look at supply chains, and I fear not the end of just in time, because our memories are short and we'll have forgotten this all being well before we know it. But there will be some people with longer memories and um, while just in time will continue, there may be, I don't know, bigger buffer stocks 
Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily the production plant, but intermediate locations, warehouses and harbors. I don't think people will be willing to or risk cutting things quite so fine. Do I need to talk about healthcare? I've probably said enough already, but obviously one of the places where we've seen um, interesting differences, let's put it tactfully, is healthcare systems where those who are criticized, notably the Germans, for uh, clear oversupply, too many hospitals, too many beds, too much intensive care, too high a ratio of doctors, which in normal times is wasteful based on average efficiency levels, clearly in times like this, they come up trumps because they've got that spare capacity. Um, we may need to review things like that and just build more, a little bit more security into the system, whatever system we're talking about. So themes of buffering, themes of resilience, themes of, of really kind of funding critical services, I think is, a, is absolutely a, a real change in mindset for, for governments and corporates alike. Thank you. I've also noticed that coming on to the next question, many other countries are looking upon Switzerland as a great example of having steered the right course through the crisis. The loan schemes were generous and more importantly, quick. I hear stories of payments being made after application within two hours. Is there a risk that they may have been potentially over generous with some applicants? And has this stored up a problem for later, do you think? I think uh, yes and yes are the probable answers, but I'm happier with yes and yes than with no and no. I, I think in a, an extraordinary, we're going to say that word so many times today, uh, situation like this, you have to err on the side of, of caution. In other words, you have to pump that money into the economy as quickly as possible. You have to prop people up as quickly as possible, whether that's through social benefits on the individual family level or through uh, loans, credit guarantees to companies. And I think speed is of the essence here, speed and the lack of uh, bureaucracy. Clearly, uh, if somebody's putting in an obviously fraudulent claim, uh, one hopes that you have some sort of filters that will spot the most blatant ones. But I think the important thing to do is to get on with the job. And I think Switzerland's been, um, yes, has won um, justifiable praise for that. Question two, might you be storing up problems down the road? I think you will, might well be. But I'd prefer to act quickly now and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow and the next day, than spend too much time worrying now and therefore um, indulging in dangerous hesitation. I think you're right. I think for every 10 applications, if one or even less is fraudulent, the, the authorities should be doing the right thing by honouring the nine uh, and, and securing the economy as opposed to worrying about the, the, the margins and the, the areas where uh, there could be issues. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's a leakage issue that they have to accept as part of the, the packages they're offering. Yeah, it's part of the cost of, of doing business and it's part of the cost of trying to get us back to normal as quickly as possible. Um, coming on to kind of a third topic around regulation, casting our minds back to the 2008 financial crisis, we as a firm saw quite a large explosion in the amount of banking regulation and capital controls that were being put in place. Do you think there are similar parallels here? And would you sense that businesses may have additional regulatory policies being put across them? I guess one kind of flavor of that is the banking crisis was behaviorally led and kind of part of the issues there. Here, arguably, you could be saying that many industries, you know, there was no poor behaviors to kind of reflect on. But I'll get your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think the answer is a bit of yes and a bit of no. And I think you have to look at it sectorally. Let's leave the banks to last this time and start with, um, say, manufacturing industry. Um, I don't think that there will be particularly lasting consequences in terms of regulation in this instance. As you say, it's not as if um, a factory has been identified as a source of things or an industry has been identified as the source of things. It might not be good for the future of wet markets in China, but um, uh, we're a bit careful what we say about China, <laughs> aren't we? Um, so um, I think there could be stuff at the fringes, like, again, um, companies. Make sure you have, I don't know, X amount liters of disinfectant per employee on an ongoing basis. Is that a huge extra cost? Well, all right, you have to spend a thousand pounds of working capital to build up a disinfectant store and you have to find a room to put it in, but it's not going to uh, change change the world. Um, you possibly are going to have to improve training procedures. Uh, this is the third uh, episode of its kind in a relatively short period. You know, we in the West ignored SARS largely, unless we were exporting to Asia. We certainly seem to have exploit, uh, ignored the Middle Eastern version, MERS. Uh, now we've got one which has affected all of us, and hey, what a surprise, we've all woken up. Um, maybe we'll be the last, maybe there'll be three generations which won't experience such a thing. But especially with globalization, and, you know, jumping into airplanes, all that sort of stuff, um, I suspect the danger of this type of episode repeating itself or the frequency will increase and therefore something that was not identified as an issue in the past uh, may need to be identified as an issue. So um, some extra regulation, uh, some extra intervention, but not a significant cost in terms of manufacturing. And I think the same applies for you and me in our, our daily lives. You know, I don't know about you, my wife has bought um, uh, I won't tell you how large, but a stock of uh, gloves, which will no doubt in a few weeks' time vanish into the cellar, never to be seen again until they're required, let's hope not, by which time they will no doubt have desiccated and be totally useless and <laughs> crumble into powder when we take them out. But um, we might all be affected a bit like that. Um, but on the banks, I think that is an interesting um, area because the banks, as I said, back at the first question, were saying our life is normalized, look at our profitability, the Americans being the prime example, capitalization and leverage ratios has toughened greatly and further measures are in the pipeline. Uh, by and large, the banks have been saying life has returned to normal, we therefore should be allowed to operate more normally. If we're making fat profits, why should we be paying fat dividends, fat bonuses, and um, buying back shares as much as we wish. I think that's going to change partly because uh, the economic repercussions from this are going to go on longer than uh, we would like. And therefore, I think the bank's role, and the banks will remain private sector companies, but the banks have taken on an almost public sector role, at least as the, the pipe work, the pipelines, of uh, transmitting um, uh, assets, uh, of transmitting uh, liquidity to the corporate and to some extent the private sector. And I think because of that role, they're going to always, they're going to be for a significant amount of time under a particular uh, spotlight because they are performing a semi 
public function. I think that's going to have an effect on dividends and effect on um, buybacks. Not terribly long term, but certainly for well. I think also, though, a bit like uh, how social attitudes changed after the two world wars, I, I think, I don't say I fear, I think our views about pay are going to be again a relatively important topic. I think people are going to look at bonuses and especially top executive salaries and uh, be significantly more critical even they than they were after the financial crisis. I think that's insightful and I, I would agree. I think um, attitudes towards credit may also change as well, mm-hmm. recognizing that, it, you know, personally and socially, but also from a corporate's perspective, the the propensity to sail close to the wind um, may, uh, you, will, you would have, to, and it comes back to this theme of buffering and resilience. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot leverage yeah. yourself as much as you have been, and you cannot put yourself in such a, a, an exposed position um, because it, it might not be a pandemic, but there will be another crisis of sorts yes. that comes for you, and, and you can't, you, you need to have the rainy day funds available. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Speaking of rainy days, let's move on to our final question, uh, predominantly around silver linings. Um, we often say that kind of necessity is the mother of invention, and we've seen a wealth of new technologies and creative solutions emerging in the midst of the crisis. I myself had never heard of Zoom until six weeks ago. Well, so, I enjoyed that club, so I'm <laughs> glad. To- <laughs> good, good. Um, from your perspective, Haig, um, what advances are there to be that have you noticed that you're positive about? Are some of these temporary novelty? And if not, which ones are the ones that you would pick as having long-term business case opportunity and, and you know, could yield true value going forward? Okay, thank you. That, that's a tough one for me because I don't know so much about individual examples. I'm not uh, talking to individual companies on anything like a regular basis. In terms of more broadly, um, I think, yes, there probably will be some silver linings here. We both mentioned Zoom and our relative um, familiarity. Uh, Zoom obviously existed before uh, the pandemic, but clearly has become something taken up by far, far more people uh, since. Uh, and indeed, you've heard, I'm sure, the story about, uh, and it's not the first time things like this have happened, uh, as Zoom uh, gained popularity in recent weeks, uh, there were people who wanted to invest in it and buy some shares. And there's a second company called Zoom Technologies or Zoom Development or Zoom, I don't know what, which is a tiny little twiddly thing based in Shenzhen. And their shares rose by, don't ask me how many hundred percent, because most people didn't know the difference between the two when they told them. Brilliant. Yeah, yes, Brilliant. It's, it's one of those <laughs> Anyway, so um, clearly uh, there are going to be some clever people, and not just in technology, although, you know, we haven't really talked about uh, uh, the blogosphere, the internet space, the online world. Um, where dinosaurs like me are still, you know, uh, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but there are going to be, I think, significant developments there. Look at us talking to each other like this. But that's just one example. I'm a big opera fan. Um, and, you know, I had tickets to Covent Garden the night after um, Boris Johnson finally announced the UK lockdown. And, of course, I was hugely disappointed because it was the show of the season that managed to get a seat cost the earth but that's another matter um uh but now i'm watching opera as much as i want because depending on the generosity of that different houses um people are streaming stuff and i'm not just what, what watching Covent garden i'm in new york one day i'm in paris the next day i'm in vienna the day after that 
And I was always snooty about culture on TV or culture online. But I have to say, sitting in bed with my iPad and my noise-canceling headphones, I have a pretty good experience. So that's just a little uh, example. So I'm sure hey, that... Hey, for the benefit of our listeners, hey, could you tell us what's been of an absolute favorite of yours of, of late? Oh, um, gosh, I, I've enjoyed just about everything I, I've seen. But the Met, um, uh, uh, which is a house, one of the few opera houses I say I've never been to uh, the Metropolitan Opera in New York. They have a fundraising gala every year, you know, sort of a zillion dollars a ticket. Um, and um, this year they couldn't do it. And it's important for them because uh, they're privately funded. So they did a virtual gala last Saturday when they had 40 of some, you know, not necessarily the best, but some of the best known singers in the world with their little smartphones giving little um, solos from home. So not only did you, okay, the sound quality wasn't always great, but you, you, you saw these people, you got some feeling for what sort of human beings they were. You also got a peek into their homes. But it was just fun because we're all a little bit nosy at the end of the day. So I'd say actually, um, although it wasn't a single performance, that was the most extraordinary thing that happened. And it was, it was just a nice thing to do and it created a good atmosphere. And, you know, would my life have been significantly changed if I hadn't seen into Rene Fleming's home in Virginia? No, of course not. But it was just quite, quite <laughs> sweet and quite, quite fun. But obviously, a lot of things happening in that technology space. I'm sure there are things happening um, elsewhere, too, and things that will happen. We talked a short time ago about supply chains. Uh, people will be reviewing. People might be trying to improve. People will certainly be spotting um, uh, weaknesses that they probably hadn't spotted before. Whether that means they'll be thinking of technological ways to overcome them or just practical ways to try and smooth out the hitches, I, I don't know. You know, until we devo develop the uh, Star Trek transporter, we're going to be reliant, obviously, on ships and airplanes and cars and trains and things. Um, but it is clear that already um, things are happening and as we know times of crisis often stimulate change. Haig as ever it's been a delight to speak with you thank you very much for your time today and no doubt we will be speaking again in a few months time. Matt not at all it was a, it's a real pleasure for me to have a chance to chat and uh, I look forward to further opportunities. Thank you for listening to the Inside Corporate Finance and Risk podcast. This podcast is provided by Deloitte Switzerland and is intended to provide general information only. This podcast is not intended to constitute advice or services of any kind. We do release new podcasts regularly, and if you subscribe, you won't miss a single one. To stay connected and receive more information on Deloitte service offerings, visit www.deloitte.ch. Join us for the next episode, where we will talk about M&A business in times of COVID-19. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.